Welcome to the Path to Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Wes Barefoot, where it's my mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs and existing business owners take control of their lives and create freedom for themselves through business ownership. Each episode, I'll be exploring the strategies and tactics of other successful entrepreneurs that have created freedom in their own lives while sharing what I'm learning along my own path to freedom. I'm glad you're here. Let's drop in. Jack Daly, what's up, man? How you doing? I am fantastic. Two weeks ago, got the word. 100% 100% cancer-free from a, a from malignant melanoma. Uh, couldn't be better. Well, that's fantastic news. We were talking, you know, offline before we started recording, and you were sharing that with me, and I can't tell you how excited I am to hear that uh, you're in the clear. So that is fantastic news. I know it's going to take a lot more than a tumor to hold Jack Daly down. So, um, <laughs> look, <laughs> I really appreciate you dropping into the Path to Freedom podcast with me today. I know this is going to be an exciting conversation and everyone listening in is going to get a ton of value from it. So really appreciate you. Uh, and before we dive in, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge you and thank you for the impact that you've had on me. Um, you know, I've had the privilege of hearing you speak in person at some of our Shelf Genie conferences. I've read your books. I've, you know, been a follower of you for years now, and you've had a huge impact on me and my career. So I just wanted to say thank you uh, for everything that you do. You're a huge inspiration. Wes? I love working with people that take action, and you are a take action guy. Well, you you uh, make it hard not to take action. You sit in a room and listen to you <laughs> speak for an hour or so. It's pretty hard not to go out and take some action. So, uh, again, thank you. But, you know, for those not uh, maybe as familiar with you, maybe give us kind of the 30,000-foot view of who Jack Daly is, what you're all about, and, and kind of how you've gotten to where you are today. Yeah, so uh, as as succinctly as I can make it, so I started selling at the age of seven years old, yeah. owned the market, charged twice the price of every kid I competed with. <laughs> then at 12, I started a newspaper route and grew it in one year to 275 customers. Wow. Didn't want to deliver the papers. And so I hired five kids to deliver the papers so I could grow it even more. Uh, I then went to school uh, formally and got educated. And uh, between the ages of 26 and 46 years old, I built six companies from scratch into national firms, sold a couple to Wall Street, and uh, then at 46 years old, I lost my passion for what I was doing, and a piece of advice to the listeners um, is if, if you're not passionate about what you do, there's plenty out there, go pursue your passion, and the rest will take care of itself. So I ended up taking a year off to figure out what I wanted to do in life, and then uh, the phone rang, and people were saying, could you tell our story, your story at our conferences? And yeah. all of a sudden, I backed into the speaking business, which I've been in for 25 years, and absolutely love it. Well, you're a fantastic speaker. You bring a ton of energy to the room when you are speaking, and, and a lot of real-world experience, um, you know, which to me is always the best way to learn. You, know, you teach through stories and examples you know, of how you've actually accomplished uh, amazing things in, in your life and your career. Um, and, and it's a fantastic story. So we're going to, uh, link your website and some of the videos and other information that you have out there in the show notes. So everyone listening in can go and, uh, you know, see some more of the content that you put out. Cause it really is fantastic. Um, and so I would, I would, I would, under, I would underscore on that. 
that unlike a lot of other people, uh, the, the website that I have at jackdailysales.com is loaded with a ton of free stuff. It is. Whether it's video or whether it's material that you can print or watch on your computer, uh, download. Um, we just want to make a difference out there with salespeople, sales managers, entrepreneurs, and business owners. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many good resources on your website and, you know, for free. So it's, it's a fantastic opportunity for people to really dig in and uh, learn from your experience and everything that you talk about. Um, so, you know, on that note, let's, let's talk about sales. I mean, that's a big part of why I was excited to have you come on the podcast because, you know, as you know, I work with a lot of people that are considering getting into business for themselves. They're, they haven't quite yet taken that leap. I also work with people that are already in business for themselves and they're really looking to, you know, grow their businesses to that next level or maybe even expand by adding other businesses into their portfolio. And one of the common, you know, questions or concerns I get when, when working with people is, you know, hey, Wes, I don't, I don't really consider myself a salesperson. I don't have a, a background in sales. And, you know, so I'd like to try to find a business that's not very sales intensive. And, you know, you know, just as well as I do, if you're in business, you're selling, right? Regardless of what the business does. Now, some businesses may be more sales intensive than others, but as a business owner, you're selling something and you've got to get comfortable with that notion. So, you know, talk a little bit about what advice you might give to someone in that position, doesn't really view themselves as a salesperson, but they want to get into business for themselves. Yeah, so I'm going to answer that specifically. But before I do it, um, given that the way you describe your public uh, on your program here, let me give um, a, a first piece of advice that's unrelated to the question. And okay. that is, if I were to recommend a single book for an aspiring entrepreneur or a new entrepreneur, um, it would be The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. Yes. I consider it the quintessential Bible for anybody that's going to be getting into business, right? Now, Absolutely. from a selling standpoint, um, with your question. Uh, the best news I can give people that think of themselves not as salespeople is they're probably thinking of salespeople as that characterization of the used car sales guy. Yep. Well, I've been a sales guy since I was seven, but I don't sell. Uh, I, I, I make a difference in the way I define selling, and that is help people to buy. People do not want to be sold. Right. No one wants someone trying to sell them something. So if you're not comfortable doing that, that's great. You have an advantage because all you need to do to be a great salesperson is really care about the customer, care about the prospect more than the sale. Because if you can find the pain that a customer is in, if you can find a way to help them put a smile on their face, they will buy your product or service. So the key to effective selling is listening rather than presenting. Yes. I was on a nine city tour last year in India and it took me about three weeks to get, make, make it through. Every stop I made to entrepreneurs, guys would come up to me before and say, are you gonna teach us some good pitches today? And I'm going, <laughs> I'm gonna do something better than that. You know what I'm gonna teach you? Quit pitching, Right. help people to buy. So that's the key, right? 
Absolutely. I, and that's, that's one of the biggest points I try to get across to people when I'm working with them through this process is, you know, part of selecting the right business, because I do a lot with franchises, right? So they're evaluating different yep. franchise models. And, you know, so part of selecting the right business is, you know, let's find something that you can actually get excited about and that, you know, you feel truly adds value to the clients that you're working with, whether it's a product or a service. And if you find the right business, then it's not really selling in the traditional form that, as you mentioned, so many people think about sales in, you're really problem solving, right? And if you're solving problems for people and really adding value, you're definitely not pitching and you, should, you, you certainly shouldn't find yourself where you feel like you're having to hard sell or quote unquote close someone. Yeah, you know, here's the deal. People can tell if you're passionate about your product and service and you have faith and confidence and you are genuinely into it. Yep. On the opposite side, people can tell the people that are not into it and are just peddling and it's just a job. When yeah. you've got passion about your product or service, the rest of it's easy. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the other thing I, I really try to hammer home with people that I'm working with is look, even if you don't necessarily feel comfortable in that sales role, you know, most of the people that I'm working with, they're looking to get into business so that they can build something bigger than just themselves, right? So if they're doing it right, they should be working on their business, not in their business. So then they're looking at recruiting people that can go out and handle sales for them. So, you know, what advice would you give to a business owner or an aspiring business owner when it comes to, you know, recruiting good talent when it comes to sales and really creating a, a great sales culture within their organization, whether it's a very small business or, or a larger business? Well, you know, I started this practice, Wes, uh, when I was 13 years old. And at 13 years old, I, uh, I interviewed 200 successful business people. I spent at least four hours with each one of them. And wow. I wanted to know how they became successful and what they would tell a 13 year old that wanted to be a successful business owner. And so I'm going to take that same lesson where I learned a tremendous amount of all the things that I've done in my life. And now I'm standing here right now at 71 years old. And I'm telling you at 13, that exercise I've done my whole life. Yeah. Let me tell you what I call it. Model okay. the masters, find people that already are successful at what you want to do. Find people that are really good at what they do and interview them and ride shotgun with them and match them and mirror them and, and, de and develop systems and processes that are consistent with what their system and process is. The beauty of a franchise in many cases is the system and process has been designed that's when right. I go and work with my franchise clients, the franchisees that are the most successful follow the systems and processes. Absolutely. The entrepreneurs that buy into a franchise as a franchisee and then say, yeah, but I got my own style and I'm going to kind of do it this way and that way. I don't understand why you're even a franchisee. I, mean, I know. Just go into business then, right? It, the yeah. system for success has been built. Follow the system. Absolutely. And it, I've been in franchising for a long time and it still blows my mind how some people will invest in a franchise business and then just throw the system to the wind, you know, almost right out of the gate. And, right. 
And, and that's a big part of the, the investigative process that I coach people through, right, is learning about the systems and processes that the franchisor has in place, and then also interviewing other franchisees, especially top performing franchisees, and then modeling after them, uh, learning what they've done to be successful. And then part of it's looking at yourself and saying, all right, am I likely to approach this business in the same way as these top performers? Because I also recommend, you know, talk to some of the underperformers in the system. You can learn a lot from talking to them as well. You'll probably learn more what not to do, right? Uh, but, sure. you know, am I more likely to approach this business like the people I talk to that are not performing very well or the people that are knocking it out of the park? Hey, listen, um, it, 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 on YouTube, uh, you can subscribe to me, right? And I've yep. got like 300 or more videos. They're little vignettes. They're two, three minute type things. Yeah. And one of the questions that I address in one of those videos is what's the number one criteria? What's the attribute that you're looking for in a successful salesperson, right? And here is the answer. G-R-I-T, grit. Yeah. And um, my video is done in London right across from Big Ben, and there's a big statue of Winston Churchill, and I've got him overlooking my shoulder, and I said, never, ever give up. That's the key. Yes. No matter how times you fall down, you've got to get back up again. That's the difference between the top quartile and the mm -hmm. bottom quartile performers. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, you know, one of the – and speaking of your videos – I was watching one a couple days ago when I was kind of preparing for this interview and I thought it would be really relevant to maybe talk about here today. And it's a video where you kind of go through seven different lessons, um, you know, that people should incorporate when it comes to accomplishing their goals in general. Um, can you expand on that a, a little bit more? Um, the first one was, you know, talking about really having a vision. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I typically talk about it has been the seven lessons that I learned in getting to be an Ironman, right? Right, yeah, and, yep. Um, and so I, I started with that I had this vision. Um, I don't think that you can really build a successful business until you define what a successful business is. Yes. Uh, I have built six from scratch, right? But you, you can't get there if you don't know what there is. And if you can strike a compelling, magnetic, exciting vision, this is what it's going to look like when I'm done. If you can, here's, here's some advice, paint a picture. I do CEO coaching, right? One-on-one. -on -one. Yep. Yep. What I'm trying to convey to my clients is I can't help you be more successful if I don't know what success is. Absolutely. What's, what's the company going to look like in three years? What's the company going to look like in five? And I ask them to draw it for me right? How many salespeople are you going to have? How many locations are you going to have? Um, how, how, what's the revenue going to be? What's the units going to be? What's the margin going to be? What's the profit going to be? Uh, if you don't have those types of, uh, of visions, then I don't know how you march towards it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's, that's lesson one. And yep. If you want, we'll just run through those seven lessons. If yeah. That, if that's a, okay. Absolutely. Right? Let's do it. Yeah. The second lesson is once you understand what the vision is, then you need a playbook. The systems and processes that will naturally get you in, in the most efficient and effective fashion to that vision. Yeah. Um, if, if another word for that might be best practices. Yeah. I, I wrote a 
Amazon number one best-selling business book called Hyper Sales Growth. And when I wrote it, it was a worldwide success and people were, were calling me like crazy saying, I want you to help me grow, right? And I'd say, great, send me your sales playbook so I know how you currently do things and then I'll build you the next level. And 98 out of 100 companies didn't no have playbook. it. Right. Right. Yeah. So you need to have the systems and processes. The next thing that we need to do, the third lesson that I learned is when I was doing the Ironman is you got to practice. Uh, it's a swim, it's a bike and it's a run and they're long distances, 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike, 26.2 mile run. You can't show up on race day and not have practice, right? Yep. It requires a lot of practice. Don't want to be good at anything. You practice. No the doubt. The fourth lesson I learned is, measure 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 things that get measured get done and yep. so a measurement system and if you go to my website jackdailysales.com you'll find my measurements are all out there for the world to see on all my per and you've been in my live sessions where i hold up my book and show you all that type of stuff yeah now, well the fifth lesson fifth, fifth i'm just gonna run the table right that's fine the go fifth ahead lesson Fifth lesson is having a coach, um, someone that holds you accountable. And I will tell my tell your audience, I today am sitting here with 14 coaches helping <laughs> me be more successful. I have five on my personal goals. I have three on my business goals. And I have six on my triathlon sport. I have a swim coach, a bike coach, a run coach, an overall triathlon coach, a nutritionist coach, and a strength coach. This guy at 71 years old is 14 coaches. If you don't have a coach, what the hell are you doing, right? Absolutely. So that's, that's number five. The sixth lesson is taking care of yourself physically uh, because if you do, you can work longer hours, smarter hours, and here's the best thing of all. You can handle stress better, and you can handle rejection better if you are better in shape physically. And then the last, uh, last one of seven is – what goes on inside the six inches between our ears? 50% yep. or more of success is having a positive attitude, right? Yep. It's all about mindset. Um, I mean, and that's for me probably been the single biggest thing that I've realized to prioritize over the last few years. And what I've been able to accomplish in that period has just yep. been, you know, leaps and bounds compared to what I was accomplishing before. I even have a a short episode of this podcast that goes out every Monday called Mindset Monday, which is just, you know, all about different things that you can do to strengthen your mindset. And, you know, especially when it comes to sales, right? I mean, you said the number one attribute you're looking for in a salesperson is grit. You know, you take better care of yourself physically and you work on your mindset, that's going to contribute to better grit, right? I mean, Absolutely. it all, they all kind of go hand in hand. And I was going to give you a really quick plug here. Um, I've got the sales playbook here that you did. This book has been hugely instrumental for me. Um, I, I first got this and kind of went through it when I first went to Shelf Genie to take over their franchise sales. And I used it to build the system that we use there. We ended up having several record years uh, in a row at Shelf Genie in terms of adding new franchisees. I went through it again when I started my consulting business and it's just been huge. So I would highly recommend anyone listening in, go get the sales playbook, uh, read hyper sales growth first, and then use this to actually start putting pen to paper and get yourself a, a good system in place. Hey, hey Wes, I really appreciate you uh, 
mentioning the book, uh, I will also tell your listeners and viewers, uh, Hyper Sales Growth is on audio if you're not into reading. Yep. Uh, and it's my voice. Uh, and it's a much easier read than the sales playbook you held up. We designed the sales playbook to be a textbook. It is. So it's heavy duty, right? It's work, for sure. It's work, but if you put in the work, you'll get a ton out of it. Um, and, you know, like I said, for me, I've come back to it numerous times. So it's the type of thing that I can keep revisiting and it's it's been in, incredibly helpful for me. So, um, awesome. but let's, let's unpack a couple of these things, uh, these seven, um, lessons that you talked about, uh, one of which is the, the practice piece, right? So what are some, some real life examples of how someone can go about practicing getting better at sales, whatever it is they're selling? Yeah. So I've got a client that's based in Ohio. Uh, they've got about 30 salespeople and, um, you know, an awful lot of the guys are working out of their houses today because sure. of the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, and that, that would be a good reason for people to use an, as an excuse. Well, how can I practice when I'm home in my office by myself or my bedroom or wherever you're at? Right. Right. Well, wait a second. This company is putting everybody on Zoom, all 30 of them. They get into groups of three. One person becomes the prospect. One person becomes the salesperson. And one person is the observer. And they physically are role practicing in front of each other. Yeah. And then they change hats on a regular basis. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, it's it, it, the, it, the acceptance by the salespeople has been huge and the results have been significant. Uh, go to anything that you do in life and find somebody that's exceptional at what they do. And you'll find somebody that practices more than the rest. So whether that was Jerry Rice when he was a receiver for the 49ers or whether it was Michael Jordan when he was playing basketball for the Bulls, it doesn't matter. Take anybody in life. And the guys that beat you badly are the guys that are the best practice. Absolutely. Well, I've been watching The Last Dance, the documentary that ESPN's airing about Michael Jordan. And, I mean, one right. of the recurring themes is – that guy put in more hours on the court than anyone else. Like without, no one else was even close. Look at Tiger Woods. Yeah. Right. And you know, he, he, he wins the masters a year ago, you know, at, a, at an older age. And remember when he won his first masters as a young kid and uh, you know, he, and they ask him, how did you make it back after all the injuries and all the absence? And he's like, I just practice, man. That's right. Well, and this is a good segue into the other thing I wanted to talk a little more about, which is a coach, right? All these athletes we're talking about, they had coaches, numerous coaches, right? So, I mean, the best in the world at whatever it is they do, they always have coaches. So, I, one question that I get sometimes when it comes to coaches, because it's something I always recommend, I've, I've got coaches right now, I've always had great coaches, it's a huge part of any success I've had, do you, do you recommend you know, a paid coach or, you know, more of like a mentor or some of both? Or do you, do you think that one gets better results than another versus paying for a coach or just having someone kind of mentoring you? I, I don't think it's about the money, Wes. Uh, so, I, you know, I don't say one's better than another. Um, what, 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 what you're looking for is someone that can fast track you yeah. to where you want to go. Um, and that is a good fit for your personal style. As an example, 
I tell most everybody that contacts me that wants to utilize me as a coach, yeah. I tell them straight up, I'm not the right coach for most people. Right. Because I'm going to act as if I own your company, run your company. And sometimes you're going to get off the phone with me and say, hey, who is that SOB think he is? I own the company and he's talking to me. And you have every right to do that. I, I am a demanding, hard guy, doesn't mince around, hits you right between the eyes with it. If that's your style and, that, and you would excel at that, that's great. If not, then you need to find another guy, right? right. That's the key. Yeah, finding someone that's really a good fit and you're going to actually be able to take the coaching and implement it. Right. I, I, when it comes down to paying for somebody and the money, here's the, way, here's the way I look at life. There's no such things as expenses, only investments. And everything you should do is measure it in terms of ROI, right? Yeah. And so when I give my fee that I charge to my prospects that are co I'm, co I'm possibly coaching, I say, look, if we don't get at least that money back before the end of the year, then we all both, we both fail. Right. Can you visualize whatever you're investing in me? Can you visualize that you'll get that kind of a payback? If you can, then there is no expense in terms of the money you pay for a coach. Yeah, that's such a good point. It's, it's, it's an investment, right? I mean, you know, I, when I was at Shelf Genie doing franchise sales, you know, we had minimums in place that people would have to spend each month for their marketing and advertising. And that would freak some people out. And, and what you had to get them to understand is it's not an expense. It's an investment. Right. We're measuring right. ROI. And, you know, the franchisees that are really successful, they were usually spending double, triple the minimums because the ROI was there. It made sense to, they would have been crazy not to. Um, so I think that's a good point. Um, If you're listening to this podcast, then there's a good chance that you're looking to create more freedom in your own life. There's also a good chance that you realize that owning your own business can be a great way to take more control of your livelihood and create more of that freedom that we're all looking for. Also, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you realize that I specialize in franchise ownership. In addition to owning franchise businesses myself, I have a franchise consulting firm, Path to Freedom where I help people navigate what is typically an overwhelming process of understanding franchising, identifying specific franchise companies that could be a fit, and then conducting the due diligence in a thorough and efficient manner with those franchise brands. My whole purpose here is to leverage my experience working for franchisors, owning franchises myself, and how we've been able to use that to create more freedom in our lives and help you determine if that could be a path that makes sense for you as well. So if any of this sounds interesting, if you've considered business ownership in the past, whether you've explored franchising specifically or not, I'd love to connect with you. I'd love to learn more about you and what it is that you're working towards in your life and determine if I may be in a position to help. A great starting point is the link below in the show notes, which will take you to a short form to fill out and you'll receive a free copy of an ebook that I've put together, The Seven Steps to Freedom Through Franchise Ownership. That'll also get us connected and I'd love to set up an introductory call where I can explain a little bit more about the process that I use to help people determine if franchise ownership could be a great way to start charting their own path to freedom. So click the link below in the show notes, receive the ebook, and let's get connected. I'd love to hear from you.
give us some hey, look, let me let me let me stop you there for just sure. a second uh, i have designed my speaking business as a one employee company i don't want to grow a company anymore right so the employee yeah. is me however yeah. i have six personal assistants that do all kinds of things in in setting this in setting this podcast up here today uh, you dealt with one of my assistants all yep. the way through the process. Sure um, did. I have, and they, I, they all work out of their homes. They all do different things. And uh, when my competitors speakers, they're all doing all this work on their own. And they're saying, I don't know how you find the time to do your races and to do all the, all the bunk, bucket list items and writing his books. And where, where's the time come from? And I'm like, well, I'm not doing all of these kind of things that you're doing that I could hand off to an assistant. That's an investment because yep. the things that Absolutely. I'm working on are revenue generators, right? 100%. And, and I think that's probably one of the biggest things I've taken away from you in, in hearing you talk and reading your books is, you know, as a business owner, you should be focusing on revenue generating activities. If where you're spending the majority of your time is not directly correlated to revenue, then you're spending your time in the wrong places. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so guys that are the guy guys that are finding time to to take their laundry down to the, the the dry cleaners and taking the time to go shop at some store and to go get their supplies at some office depot. Like, I, I, I there's no way that I'm going to be doing any of that type of stuff. Well, yeah, and and I mean, like in my experience dealing with your assistant setting this up, it was smooth as could be. Right. Right. And, and I think like for me, I know I'm terrible at the administrative type thing. So I have an assistant too, and I don't have six yet, but I've got one and she's very good. And, uh, but she handles the things that not only are not a good use of my time, they're also the things I'm not any good at. Right. So she exactly. can, she can knock some of these things out in a fraction of the time that it would take me to do it. And the results always better than it would be if I was doing it myself. Um, so spot on, it's an investment. And, and I love that. Um, Give us a little bit of advice on mindset. I mean, some of the things that you've accomplished in your life and your career are amazing. And I want to talk more about those in just a moment. But, you know, what are some of the things that you've learned to do to get your mindset right when it comes to, you know, tackling a huge challenge uh, in front of you or just, you know, really finding more of that grit that we talked about earlier? Yeah, so there's so many examples, right? Uh, you know, uh, I, I'm going to give one in the Ironman, and I'm going to go back to a lesson, one of the seven lessons. It starts yeah. with vision. So um, in order to make it to the World Championship Ironman in Kona, Hawaii, um, you got to win your age group uh, in a prior Ironman race. So I was in Ironman, Arizona, and I came out of the water with a pretty good swim. And so you get on the bike at the next stage and the bike was 37 miles, three times, right? So that's a, that's, that's the 112 miles. When I came through the first loop, you went right past the grandstand and I heard the announcer make this announcement. There goes Jack Daly comfortably in first in his age group. Basically he was saying, this guy's on his way to Kona, right? right. This is the, like the Mecca of all Ironmans, right? Yeah. So, it was like he put an engine on my bike. I just went off, right? And I have a photo of me when I'm hearing it that the race officials took. And it's like you can see the energy pouring out of me. In the next two loops, I had three flat tires. Now, 
You bring two tubes with you uh, because you're a seasoned athlete, but three flats and two tubes is not a good equation. No. And so <laughs> I had to carry my bike for two miles. Then I found a race official to make a phone call to get somebody to come out on a motor scooter with a, a tube. Then I changed my tire. Now I'm at the back of the pack, way back of the pack. And I finished 112 miles. There's no way that I'm going to get my spot to Kona. And I'm putting my bike in the rack, and I now need to run 26.2 miles. Now, I've done a whole bunch of Ironmans before that, so I don't really need to do an Ironman finish. I'm already an Ironman, right? Right, and, and you knew you weren't going to win at and that I point. I don't have a shot at the world championship, and I thought, man, maybe I should just uh, pack it in and go get myself a burger yeah. and a beer. <laughs> Yeah, and sure. I'm like, no, man, you, you just because you got knocked down, you need to finish this race. You start what you you finish what you started. And my vision was to cross the finish line and hear Mike Riley say, Jack Daly, you are an Ironman. And so I spent another five hours and change out there running 26.2 miles to look, finish in the dark with another Ironman. It's so, all it that, about not how many times you fall. It's about getting back up again. And it was that vision of you crossing the finish line and completing it that kept you going even when, you know, your mind was kind of saying, look, you don't really have to do this. You could, you could call it right now. Look, let, let me show it to you in a business context, with Wes. So I built a half a dozen businesses, and one of them in 1998 was the 10th fastest growing privately held company in the U.S., recognized by Inc. Magazine, and was honored as Entrepreneur of the Year from Ernst & Young. That's really good stuff if you're a speaker to say, right? Sure. But here's, <laughs> yeah. here's, the, here's the inside piece. In less than a year after we were honored like that, I stood in front of 275 people and let 240 of them go in a single day. Wow. Because there was absolute train wreck in the industry. And I had to immediately downsize the business. I went from making a million dollars a month to losing a million dollars a month in profits, went into losses. And I could have just shut the whole thing down. And I decided that I got a vision, we'll rebuild it, but we got to downsize and rebuild again. Today, that company is bigger than it was at the point that it was the 10th fastest growing in the US. Wow. Great. It's never, ever give up. Do what you say you're going to do, when you say you're going to do it, whether you want to or not. That's it. Self-discipline. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm doing a personal challenge right now. It's part physical, part mental, and it's called the 75 hard challenge. And so basically, every day for 75 days straight, you follow the same kind of program. It's two workouts a day, 45 minutes each, and one of them has to be outside regardless of the weather. So, I mean, I've been working out at 1130 at night. I've been working out in the pouring down rain and I'm only halfway through it, right? So, I'm, there's a lot, there's a long way to go and, and there's going to be harder times ahead of me, I think, than what I've gone through right now. But the biggest thing it's teaching me so far is simply to not negotiate with myself, right? I've set a goal and I'm, in, I'm visioning that 76th day when I've done this program for 75 days straight and how good that's gonna feel. And that's what I keep coming back to is that vision on the hard days when the last thing I feel like doing is another workout. And there's several other components to, to the program. You know, there's like five or six things you have to do every single day. 
Um, but that's, I think, the biggest lesson I'm getting from it so far is just don't negotiate with yourself. You know, absolutely. And and by the way, j- just uh, just a, 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 an ask on my part. Uh, send me an email or the link or whatever to the program. I'd like to take a look at it. Yeah, I'll send it to you as a follow up. It's it's pretty cool, and um, you know, like I said, like physically, it's it's challenging, and you'll see physical results if you do it. But more than anything, it's a, a mental toughness challenge, and it'll help you really, you know, develop a stronger mindset. So I'll, I'll definitely send it to you. Um, so no, I think that was uh, really good. I love those seven lessons and and talking through those a little bit more. Um, one of the other things I wanted to get into with you while I have you is this concept that you talk a lot about. You, you refer to it as life by design, right? And I mean, you've referenced a couple times, you're an Ironman, right? I mean, you've done races all over the world and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you didn't start training for Ironmans until you were like in your late fifties and you didn't even know how to swim at the time. Yeah. Yeah. 58 years old. I did not know how to swim. Between 58 and 66, I completed 15 full Ironmans and about 60 triathlons. Yeah, it's crazy. So, um, so talk about that and how it, how it kind of falls into this, this concept of life by design that, that I know you talk a lot about. Yeah, so, so you, you're, you're not aware of this. So this is news to you. But since I've been in lockdown for the last 60 days with COVID, yeah. uh, I decided that the book I was going to write next year, I might as well write now right there you go so i love it here yeah. here is my first draft of a book that i was going to write next year i sent it to my publisher and he said when this is released this will be the most impactful book of all 10 that you've written right wow. and wow. it's called get this the working title is called life by design right love it. so um the backdrop is that at 13 years old after interviewing 200 successful people, I then uh, learned that one of the most important things you can do is put your goals in writing, not to have too many, put a date when you're going to get them done, and give them to as many people as you can, because that'll put the heat on you, right? Yeah, yeah. So I came up with four goals at 13, and I put a date on it. When I'm 30 years old, like old, 13. <laughs> yeah, right. And so, so, so. Where, what did I want to look like financially at mm-hmm. 30 years old? What did I want my net worth to be? What did I want to be making annually in income? I wrote that down. Then the second goal was what did I want to look like professionally? And what I wrote down was I want to be the CEO of a company. I want to be the owner. And I want it to be national in size. And I want it to be in the money business. So I wrote that down. In the third box, I put down what I wanted to look like education-wise. And what I said is I wanted to have a bachelor's degree in accounting so that I would understand the numbers as a business owner and get a master's degree as well. And then the fourth box was what did I want my family to look like? Did I want to be single, married? Did I want kids? How many? And I basically said, there's my four pictures of what I'm going to look like financially, professionally, education, and family. Now all I need to do is work backwards to figure out what I need to do between 13 and 14, 14 and 15 in each one of those. Yep. Well, what I can tell you is I'm still doing that at 71 years old. And if you go to my website, you will see uh, my my goals all printed out of what I want to get done this year. 
And if you want, you can go to my website and see my bucket list of the over 300 items that I want to get in my life. And it's amazing when you put it out there, Wes, what happens? For example, one of the things on my bucket list was I wanted to fly a jet fighter plane. Now, I get a guy that goes to my website and looks at my bucket list, and he emails me and says, hey, have you gotten the, the flight, uh, flying a, a jet fighter plane done yet? And I'm going, no. And he sends me a photo, and he says, I bought this from the U.S. Air Force with no this way. qualifier. And what? he bought a jet fighter plane. So then I said, <laughs> absolutely. So then we find out when we can get together. He pulls down into the airport in his plane. He taxis no up to me. He gets out of the cockpit. He introduces himself to me. I never met him before. And he gives me a helmet. We get into the, into the cockpit. And then we're talking to each other. And he says, hey, so how are you on uh, roller coasters and that kind of thing? And I said, I'm good. And he said, how about some acrobatics? And I said, that sounds great. And we went up and we did barrel rolls and 360s and all those. And then we leveled the plane out. And he goes, so what do you think? Are you ready? And I'm going, ready? Well, I mean, what else? And he goes, well, you said you wanted to fly it. So there's a toggle in between your legs. Just lightly grab the toggle with a couple fingers in your thumb. And I'm going to pass the controls of the jet over to you. Wow. And I flew a jet fighter plane. But people can't help you with your goals if you don't know what they are and if you don't share them with other people. So I've got 75% of my bucket list items done. I have run a marathon in all 50 states. I've yep. played 95 of the top 100 golf courses in the U.S., I have people that come up to me and say, have you played this one? I can get you on. But they can't help if you don't know. Well, th man, that is such a cool story. And ha had you ever flown a, a plane of any type no, before? No, no, That's awesome. But I, I love that. I mean, if you don't put it out there, number one, no one else is going to really know what your goals are, what you're trying to accomplish. And, and so I think there's definitely an accountability piece that goes with that, right? You're putting it out there. So now there's a little more motivation to actually make it happen. But also Look, I, 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 I've got my whole list of 300 plus items and every year I, I pick five or 10 of them and put them on the list and just say, okay, here's, here's the ones we're going to knock out this year. And are Ooh. you still, are you still adding items to the list at this point? Absolutely. All the time. Yeah. Um, you know what? You just Google, um, a you know, bucket list and there's like everybody's bucket list in the world is up there and some of mine are like ridiculously easy like kiss someone that you love at the top of a ferris wheel right well that's going to be kind of an easy one to get done right sure but how about carrying the torch in the olympics wow that's on my bucket list a meeting of president of the united states in the oval office there you go that's on my bucket list um, flying on Air Force One is on my bucket list. Invite me for that one if it, if uh, <laughs> if that one materializes. I'd love to get on the Air Force One. But no, I mean I, so that was something I was actually going to ask you. Like, is there too big of, of a goal to put on your bucket list? It sounds like for you, there's not. Well, look, if it doesn't get done, what's it matter? But what? What? But who would have thought that I would fly a jet fighter plane? Well, and if you don't put it out there, you're pretty much guaranteeing that it won't get done. So I think yeah, by putting much. it out there, you're giving it because you know I think there's definitely something to you know visualization and and you know in some form or fashion almost being able to kind of manifest you know things that you want to happen in your life and it's obviously going to require work on your part. But the first part of it is is just 
I mean, first and foremost, as you've talked about, getting clear on the vision uh, and putting it out there as part of that. I, I, on my bucket list was to write a number one best-selling business book. There it is. Yep. This book ended up, uh, we got contacted by Forbes after I published it, and Forbes asked me to republish it under the Forbes label, and when I agreed to do it, they ended up putting it on the big screen at New York, at, at New York's Times Square. Wow. Right? On the bucket list. On the bucket list was to be on the cover of a business magazine. That one took me quite a while. Uh, and last, uh, last year in India, uh, 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 the highest rated business magazine in the country uh, asked me if I would be on the cover. Uh, and they gave me the, the uh, current issue. And Michelle Obama was on the cover. And they did a they did a six page story on me in this magazine, right? But if you don't put it out there, it doesn't happen. If you don't put it out there, and and you know, I uh, I believe that the more specific you get with your goals and your vision, the more likely it is to actually happen. You know, if it's just kind of broad and and generic, like it it may, but I, I think if you get very very specific, I mean that's that's just putting it out there and you know, the universe or however you want to think of it is going to start to work to make it happen for you. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, the, the last thing I wanted to ask you on, on that note is, um, and, and we may have already kind of hit on it, but I mean, any, any final advice to, you know, anyone that is in a position right now where they don't feel like they're in complete control and I mean, look, the, this pandemic's going on. I mean, everyone feels to an extent that there are external things taking control away from them. But, you know, pandemic or not, what advice would you give to someone that they could implement today to start taking better control of their lives and designing their future intentionally? Yeah, so, uh, so intentional is a great word. It's aligned with me very well. Many, many people email me and send me notes and say you live a life of intentionality. Um, you know, if, if, if the viewer and listener today uh, goes to my website, they'll see my personal goals, right? Um, and as I look at them, it's very sad because for the first time since I was 13 years old, my goals are not going to get done this year. Yeah. And they're not going to get done this year because of a pandemic, right? right? However, I've pivoted and I've focused and I put other things in lieu of them. So like your book. I'm writing the book yeah. as an example, and it wasn't on the list of things to get done, right? And so I've got replacement things that are going on. So let me just give this as the advice and the, ask, and the answer to your question. Okay. Instead of thinking in such long terms as one year out, three year out, and I'm still a believer in that, but within the pandemic, what I know is I, I have control over my day. So operate with a daily plan. Now, when I talk about a daily plan, uh, I say, build it the night before. Yeah. Think about what you want to get done the next day. Within 30 minutes of going to bed, if you write down what your plan is for the day and operate like a doctor that has appointments all the way through the day, yeah. because those guys really are at optimal execution. They've got three patients waiting in three different rooms while they're scurrying about and they got you waiting out in the lobby for 45 minutes, even though you were there on time. They're yep. not on time, but they're making giant revenue because of it, right? Yep. So operate your daily plan that way. 
and and put it and and, and your subconscious and in sleep will work on optimal execution of your daily plan. Now, when you wake up in the morning, you're ready to go, whereas your competitor is going lazily down to the kitchen to get a cup of coffee. You've got your list, and you're just knocking it off. And right, and they're like, "Well, what should I do today?" Off, more and more momentum is taking place. You get that done. And, and stay away from the broadcasters and the TV and the news that's Definitely. telling you all the negativity. Definitely. They're not controllables. I can't do anything about coronavirus. I can't do anything about it. I'm not going to cure it. I'm not going to find the vaccine. So why am I going to worry about how, what the, what the, where the spike is and, and, and all of that craziness that takes your head out of the game? Yep. All I want to do is focus on what I got to get done today. And man, I'm telling you what, my day is loaded with stuff. So I'm watching people on social media talking about, does anybody have a recommendation? I've already peeled through everything on Netflix. And I'm yeah, like, I, know. I don't have time for Netflix. I'm so yeah. damn busy on stuff. No, I love that. I've, I've talked quite a bit on the podcast with other people and, and on these Mindset Monday episodes I'm putting out about, you know, focusing on the things that you can control and blocking out the things that are outside of your control. So, I mean, I haven't watched the news really in years, and it's not because I don't want to be educated in what's going yeah. on in the world, but it's all just, it's an influx of negativity that is going to take your head out of the game. And, Absolutely. you know, the biggest thing for me as I look at this pandemic is I want to play my part to make sure that we're responsible and, and not putting other people in danger, all of that, yes. But, you know, more than anything, I want to be able to look back on this time and know that I did everything in my power to come out stronger on the other side of it and not take a victim mentality and say, well, this is happening and this really sucks and my year's just kind of gone to hell now because of it. What can I do? Um, so I, I very much aligned with everything that you just said, and I think it was well put. Yeah, thanks. Um, it, it, it's all – you used a great word, Wes. Focus. Focus precedes success. Um, everybody that I coach, I want them narrow. I don't want them wide. I want them narrow in the lane. If you yep. wanted to use a model, here's a model to think about. Apple as a company is incredibly successful. Go into their store, very few products. Yeah. Now, if I talk about or two that have gone by the website, how about say everything in there? Steve Jobs believed I'm going to go arrow and I'm going to own my Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's really good advice is, you know, focusing and really getting intentional about what you want to accomplish. And I think you mentioned something earlier when you were talking about setting goals is not have too many. You know, I think it's easy for people to, you know, set a huge number of goals and then they're kind of just setting themselves up for failure. There's no way that they're going to accomplish all of these things, you know, prioritize, figure out what are the most important things that you want to accomplish. And then you can keep a running list of the other things that you want to accomplish. And as you do start crossing things off the list, you've got something else to replace it. Yeah, hey, Kai. I mean, I spend my time mostly with salespeople, right? The better salespeople, they actually call on less people and write more business. The key is they call on the right ones. That's right. Too many yeah. salespeople call on too many people that don't deserve to be called on. Yeah, and and they, It's counterintuitive, but it works. 
Yeah, it's it's focusing your time where, you know, it's your time is an investment, right? How you spend your time is an investment. So same same ROI calculation that we talked about earlier. Um, Absolutely. Well, look, you've been very generous with your time. I appreciate it. And, and I know uh, you've got a lot going on. So I've just got a quick kind of lightning round, a few questions. These are questions that I like to ask cool. everyone that comes on the podcast. So we can kind of run through these real quick Perfect. and then we'll let you get back to your list of things that you're knocking out. Um, first question on the list is what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? And that could be in business or in life. Yeah. So it's for both. And it was at 13 years old and it was goals in writing. Very simple. Yeah, I like it. I mean, when I started writing my goals down and I read them every morning, I mean, that's been an absolute game changer for me. It's one of those like very small, easy to implement things, but I can, look back at that and say that was a, a turning point for me. Um, so I like that. Uh, next question is, do you have a morning routine? And if so, do you mind sharing that with us? Yeah. So the morning routine starts the night before, as I just mentioned, yeah. by making my goals and understanding what my day looks like before I even go to bed. Because yeah. we're going to be working on the execution of it as I'm sleeping. As soon as I get back, as soon as I get up, i got my list. Uh, the first thing on my list is I got to exercise for at least an hour. And it depends on what the day is because I do some rotational type of things okay. um, where I'm rowing at some points and I'm sit-ups at other points and I'm PT at other points, I'm, I'm jogging at others. And so there's a variety and so I'm on my Peloton. And so it's a mix of things, but exercise is a regular staple within the Jack Daly morning and then it's breakfast and then it's knock the list out. Plain and simple. I love it. I love it. Um, next question. What book are you reading right now? What you do is who you are. So what we talked about just for a while here is all about your goals and the painted picture and the vision that that's, that's, that stuff's important. But at the end of the day, it's action. What you do is who you are. And so it's all about taking action. Yeah. Well, that's right, because the vision's great, but if you don't do anything to work towards that vision, it'll never become a reality. Uh, who's the author of that book? Ben Horowitz. Okay, great. I'm compiling a list of all the books that uh, my guests are reading, so we'll, we'll definitely add that one to cool. it. Um, final question is, what is your definition of freedom, and are you living it? <laughs> so, you know that I'm living it. Uh, you just know that by virtue of the fact that you and I know each other. Yep. Uh, but uh, here's, here's freedom for me. Pursuit of what your definition of success is. Yeah. And, and, and it's your definition of success. I, coaching company. However, One Minute Manager author and many other best-selling books lives about an hour from me, and he's got nearly a 1,000 employees in the Blanchard companies. Yeah. Now, you could look at his revenue line and his profit line, and they dwarf mine. However, uh, I have tremendous flexibility in my life, and I don't have to do the things that Ken needs to do in running and leading that company. I know how to run and lead a company with that many employees. I had 2,600 salespeople alone. 
I don't want to do that anymore. Yep. And so freedom is for me to decide what I want to do. Freedom is what I define as success. And every day I am in, I'm, I'm confronted with people saying, hey, would you like to join up and do this? Well, here's an opportunity here. And I'm like, man, oh man, keep that stuff away from me. I'm in my zone. I have the freedom to decide that. I am living it every day, brother. I love that, man. And I know that about you. And uh, it's a big part of why I have so much respect for you. So look, thanks again for doing this. This has been amazing. Always good to catch up with you. And I know that everyone listening uh, is just going to get so much out of this. Um, I know we've talked a little bit about your websites and some of your other resources, but just quickly uh, tell everyone listening in where they can hear more from you, learn more about everything that you teach and, and find some of your resources. Yeah, so e easiest thing was jackdailysales.com and daily is D-A-L-Y. Yep. Uh, you know, YouTube, you punch my name in and it's going to come up with that. And then, you know, again, that's free. I would tell people when you go to my website, don't overlook the Get Jacked magazines. They're 32 pages in length. There's four magazines out there. You can virtually download those for free. And so, uh, you know, it's all about, at this stage of my life, it's all about making a difference, a positive difference in the world and watching my clients grow, their income grow, their businesses grow, and their quality of life grow. And, uh, and, and, and that's my pay. That, that's just, that's the psychic value. Well, and I can tell you what, man, you are making a huge impact. So again, thank you thank for you. everything that you're doing. Keep doing it. Glad you're healthy. And um, we'll link your website, your YouTube channel and all that in the show notes so people can easily find it. So again, thank you for dropping in with us today. Really appreciate it, Jack. Absolutely. Stay healthy, Wes. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know when a new episode is released. You can also check me out on my website at www.path2frdm.com. And if you want more information about franchising or just want to say hello, feel free to contact me at Wes at Path2FRDM.com. Thanks again. Now go drop in.